When I think about Christmas, one of the first things I think about are Christmas lights. I I don't know all your different thoughts and your traditions that you have either growing up or that you have now, but Christmas lights are, are beautiful. I remember when I was a child, our Christmas tree would be decorated and the lights would be on it. And where we had it in my home growing up in Charlotte was we had the Christmas tree over here and our television was here. Um, it wasn't a big flat screen, you know, it was a big box TV down on the ground, a console. And I remember laying there and I would watch television and every once in a while I would look up at the lights and I would squint my eyes. Has anybody ever, ever done that at Christmas lights? Anybody squinted your eyes? All right. There's something magical about the, some of you are going to go do it today, right? There's a haze and there's this blur that comes around. All the lights just kind of seem to go together. And I remember, you know, being a child laying there in front of the Christmas tree looking at him. And, and, and in my home growing up, the more lights we could possibly get on the real Christmas tree and make it the greatest fire hazard possible, the better, all right? The, the more we could put on there, the better. And in our house growing up, there was no argument in our house. They were clear lights only. None of these colored lights. So let's settle it this morning, all right? Clear light people, raise your hand. Clear light people, raise your hand. Colored light people, multicolored, raise your hand. One hand only, one hand vote, all right? Now, how many in the room are separated in your marriage on multi versus clear lights? Raise your hands. Raise your hand in your marriages. Anybody? Anybody? All right. Let me just say something. If you're engaged in the room, if you are seriously dating somebody, you need to have this discussion. (laughs) Clear lights, Christmas colored Christmas light, because it will come up, all right? And it will be possibly a battle in your home. So we've got the best solution in our house. Uh, we, We bought an artificial tree last year for the first time in our whole entire lives and uh, allergies and all that great, crazy stuff that goes with us. And, and ours go from white to multicolor, whichever one you want. So some days we have either or, all right? But the clear ones are always the better, all right? <laughs> but we love lights at Christmas. We go to Tanglewood. We go to other festivities. We go to, we drive down city streets, and they've got tree lights. The lights are hung on them. It just brings this fascination with Christmas. Imagine all of your decorations that you've got in your house and all of them in the lobby that we have and all of them at Tanglewood. Imagine through all of Christmas without any Christmas lights. Imagine no lights at Christmas. Imagine there to be no lights at Christmas. We love the lights. It's seemingly impossible to imagine going through Christmas without any of the festivity in any of the lights. And this is true in decorations. But I want you to see this morning that it's not just true in decorations, it's true spiritually. Because Jesus Christ is declared throughout Scripture in prophecies out of his own mouth by those who followed him and pursued him after he had ascended into heaven. Jesus is over and over and over throughout Scripture declared as the light. Simply Christmas. This morning, we're just going to look at one thought and one idea. Light has come into the darkness. 
We're going to be, over the last three months, we've been in 1 Peter, so it feels a little weird this morning not to be in, in one page of Scripture for the last three months. This morning, uh, we are unlike the last three months where we were just dedicated to one or two verses for uh, an entire morning. We're going to be all over the place this morning in the Old and the New Testament. And so, gave you a couple of those in the bulletin, but some of those you may want to jot down and look up as we continue this morning. But hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, a prophet by the name of Isaiah wrote. And and he was writing concerning the plight of the people of Israel who had been disobedient to God, had disregarded his law, had created their own laws, created their own traditions. And they had repeatedly had moments where the judgment of God was going to come upon them. And Isaiah is given by God the words to communicate to the people to say, listen, this is who you are. This is your disobedience. This is what God's going to do. And this is the promise that he offers. And and so throughout Isaiah, we see in the first eight chapters, we see him describing to the people that God's people had rejected God. They were called his children. They rejected him. And now we read and we come around to chapter 8 and chapter 9 of what God promises them. That there would be a remnant, that there would be those that would survive this time of darkness and would experience a great light. But listen to Isaiah in chapter 8. It's not listed in your your bulletin this morning, but listen in chapter 8. He describes the difficulty of the world at that time. He says, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. They will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Notice where the people were looking for hope. They weren't looking to the heavens. They weren't looking for someone else to come. Scripture says at the beginning of verse 22, it says, and they will look into the earth. They were looking for a human solution to their darkness. Thousands of years ago, this is what the people were doing. They were examining themselves. They were examining the things around them. But behold, what did they find? They found distress. They found, uh, behold, they have found darkness. They found anguish. Darkness. Now, while these words were written to a specific people, it doesn't mean they're not applicable to us now. Last night, right before bed, I I turned on my phone one last time to check the news. And there again on the front page of my device was tragedy, was darkness, was despair, was anguish. All of humanity has constantly been in this search. And where do we search first? What does the world search for first? They begin searching for hope. They begin searching for light. And they begin searching with inside the earth. We look to technology to solve it. We try to find our own wisdom, our own discernment. We look for self-enlightenment. We look to a next health craze to solve something in our lives. We keep looking inwardly. We're just like the children of God in Isaiah this morning. He says, you're keeping and you're looking to the earth. You're looking for yourselves. You're looking for the things around you. You're looking for the created instead of the creator to bring a solution to your problems. But Isaiah would then speak of a coming hope. 
We read this verse earlier, verse 2. It says this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Isaiah was written as a prophetic book, speaking to the people, the children of God at that time period, but also scattered all throughout the book of Isaiah are prophecies that incredibly point and come, come true and give us a glimpse of Jesus Christ. And this is one of those passages pointing forward to the birth and the life of Jesus Christ. Christmas reminds us of this. The world is dark. Jesus Christ is the light. This world is dark. Jesus Christ is the light. Several months ago, we made our way for a fall visit to my daughter in college. We were staying um, near Lynchburg, and we were staying at a cabin about 40 minutes away from campus. And on the way to get to the cabin, you've got to drive down this back country road in the mountains of Virginia. And when I mean back country road, I mean, it is, it is the scene of a terrible movie scene, the chase scene in the middle of the night, an utter darkness moment, all right? And, and you, you're riding through this curvy passage in Virginia, and all of a sudden you go down into this little valley, and there's fog, eternal fog, it feels like. Every time you drive down there, there's fog, and it's just dark, and it's this straightaway, and there's no houses, there's no lights, there's no street lights. I don't even think the clouds break ever around this road. It is just dark all the time. And so this last time we were driving down this mile stretch, I stopped the car and turned off all the lights. It was terrifying. I mean, there were seven of us in the car. And in 30 seconds, it was, okay, let's go. Turn the light on. And with one flip of the switch on the car, all the lights came back on, the dash came back on, the lights came back on. And nothing had changed around us. It was still dark outside of that realm. But when that light shone, it began to dispel the darkness. And this is what the announcement of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus does for all of humanity, for you and for me. It begins to dispel darkness. It says the Savior would break into this darkness. John chapter 1 Here's the coming true of Jesus being the light. John chapter 1, verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Again, pointing towards Jesus. If we take an honest evaluation this morning, it would remind us that when Jesus Christ came in this point of history, it was a tragic period as well. They had their own issues that brought darkness and despair and tragedy and distress. The Roman government was beginning to force itself upon the people. Taxes taken at an unbelievable rate. People living in utter poverty. Shifts of climates of culture taking place in government. And when Jesus arrived, he didn't just arrive to preach a few good words and move on to the next town. When Jesus came, he didn't even come to perform a few miracles and make people feel good about what was going on. When Jesus came, he came to bring light and hope and speak into and display in the middle of tragedy. He came to bring all of humanity through the sacrifice of Jesus 
out of darkness, out of spiritual death, and out of despair. Jesus himself proclaimed, I am the light of the world. Light has come. I've asked myself a question numerous times this week. I I ask myself a lot of questions when I'm preparing to preach. A lot of them are in the car. So if you ever pass me and I'm talking to myself, I'm having a full-on conversation. (laughs) It's really okay. It's sermon prep, okay? And I ask myself, what's the big deal? Why is it important that Jesus is declared as light? How does it change our culture? How does it change our world? How does it change 2016 moving forward? How does it change 2016 backwards? Why is it so such a monumental point of Scripture that Jesus is the light? A few things I want to point out today, because I don't want you to look at another Christmas light this Christmas season and not think Jesus. Not on a tree, not on a display, not in a church, not driving by, but I I want you to be so ingrained that Jesus is the light that every time we see it this Christmas season, you cannot ignore some truths that happen because Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Light dispels darkness and promises life. One reason why it is so important throughout Scripture to point to Jesus being the light is that light dispels darkness and it promises life life again jesus spoke to them jesus speaking to the pharisees and he's speaking regarding who he is in john chapter 8 and jesus says i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life we just finished examining first peter and in that conclusion last sunday that we had in first peter we saw that peter warned the people to say there is an enemy and it's prowling around like a lion seeking to devour you but jesus gave another honest assessment at the end of that verse it's also declared in john chapter 10 verse 10 it says the thief only comes to steal to kill and destroy pointing to satan to the enemy But Jesus says of himself, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Why is it important that Jesus is the light? Because Jesus dispels the darkness and promises life, eternal life. When we celebrate the the truth of Jesus Christ, we're, we're not simply looking into a manger and singing Silent Night, how tender and mild. We are are looking upon that God made flesh and dwelt among us and he came to deliver life, to conquer death, to conquer sin, and to promise us eternal life. Darkness is a picture of separation from God throughout Scripture. Darkness represents separation, death, separation from God for all eternity. But light is a picture of life and a picture of the promise of God of salvation through Jesus. Jesus Christ delivers light and life. You see, there really can be no greater contrast, can there, in darkness and light. We've all experienced the moment when we've been in utter darkness and someone does something to bring about light. Nowadays, it's the cell phone, and we, oh, we can see everything. 
It dispels darkness. It points to something else. Jesus was and is the light of the world, and his arrival dispels darkness and promises light. Jesus is the light of the world. Dispels darkness, promises life. Jesus is the light of the world. While darkness hides the truth, light reveals the truth. While darkness hides the truth, light reveals the truth. John, 1 John 1, 5-7 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. In darkness, we can hide from the truth. But in light, truth is revealed and it is on display. But this morning, I want to point out to you that if we believe, as Scripture says, that we cannot live in darkness, that truth doesn't exist in darkness, then there's certain truths that by Jesus coming mean that we've got to declare. And some of them are difficult for us to admit. The first one I want us to see is that when we receive the gift of Jesus Christ, that he's the light, we are proclaiming our inability to save ourselves. You see, in darkness, in the world searching for its own way, it doesn't admit this, but when we accept that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, when we receive, when we acknowledge who Jesus Christ is, then we are proclaiming our inability to save ourselves. Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, talks about it this way. If at Christmas morning this year, you go to one family's house and you unwrap this present and it's 10 weeks to a better body diet book. <laughs> right? There's no proper reaction to that. Just in case you're getting me one, there's no, you're not going to get a good reaction out of that. In case you're giving one to somebody, they're not going to be excited about it. It's an awkward moment for everybody. But if you do that once at one house and you get to the second house and it's another book on dieting, then you're starting to realize there's a trend. If you get to the third house and they present to you some type of workout mechanism, if you jump up, wrap your arms around them and say, thank you for realizing that I've gained weight in 2016 and I need to lose weight. If you're getting your spouse a workout piece of equipment, it's not going to happen like that. Just want you to know ahead of time. Just giving you a heads up. But do you see the painful truth in that gift? It may be true that 2016, you, like I, put on a few pounds. And the first person may be acknowledging it. The second person may be acknowledging it. But if you ever stand up and put your arms around somebody and say, thank you for acknowledging what you're acknowledging is something that you don't want to admit. You don't want to say to somebody else, oh, great, you know, I know, everybody knows. When we receive and acknowledge that Jesus Christ was necessary to come into a broken, despair-filled world 
and shatter darkness, what we are declaring in accepting Jesus as the light is we cannot save ourselves. And our culture and even our churches are full of people who cannot acknowledge their sinfulness. It is a painful, difficult truth. And if we step into the light, we must admit this reality. We cannot save ourselves. Jesus is the light. If we believe that Jesus is the light, when that happens, we are declaring I can't do this on my own. Back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. They were searching their, their own selves. They were searching the world. And what did they find? Despair? Tragedy? Anguish? Jesus reminds us that we cannot save ourselves. There's another truth about Jesus and light. Not only do we have to admit that Jesus Christ is Savior, we must realize that we can't hide in the light. Our sins cannot be hidden in the light. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 speaks of this. It speaks, you cannot walk in the darkness and say you have him. We lie and say there's no truth in us. When we receive the gift of salvation, we realize you can't hide when you're in the light. Psalm 139, verse 11 and 12 talk about how God formed us and knows us. And it says, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is at, as light with you. The reality check is you can't hide from Jesus. You can't hide from an eternal God who is pouring out and shining his light upon a broken mankind. A few of you, the last few weeks, you've been getting in your tree stands and going hunting. Some more than others. And you get up early, and you get all camoed up, and you get up in your deer stand or your special spot, and you get behind your blind, and I don't know all the right lingo, so I'm going to stop there before I make a fool of myself, all right? And what are you doing? You're hiding from what you're hunting. And, and you're, you've got yourself, and you're, you're still, and you're silent, and you're ready, and you're equipped. As much as you may believe that you are hiding what's inside of you right now, your simple behaviors that maybe no one else knows of, maybe a sense of brokenness and despair that you're living in, if you recognize that Jesus is light, you can't hide in the light. He says, the darkness is light to me. The night is bright light to me. You can't hide from me. But we also have another truth to acknowledge when we step into the light. We have sinned, and Jesus Christ is the only way for salvation. This is the beauty of Scripture, how it all comes together. Jesus said in John 14, 6 and 7, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen me. 
the world is presenting and many of us as believers are accepting the notion that culture is pouring upon us that there are many ways of salvation. And if I entrust to that belief, then I am casting aside the statement of Jesus Christ himself who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. No one comes to the Father except through me. You cannot have fellowship with a holy God through any other relationship than Jesus Christ. It's a truth that some of you need to recognize this morning. There's another truth. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins. So, so whatever we're keeping hidden, whatever we think we're keeping hidden, whatever we think we've got tucked away that nobody else is going to know about, what does he say and tell us in Scripture in 1 John in verse 7? It says, but if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all our sins. There is forgiveness this morning. There is a true, painful reality that if we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is light, that we've got to acknowledge and admit that we are sinners, that we are in need of salvation through Jesus Christ. We've got to admit that we cannot stay hidden in the light, but we also can come to this truth that Jesus Christ cleanses us, purifies us from our sins. So this morning, if you're thinking, wow, I thought I was keeping this hidden. I thought I could continue to live in despair and anguish and tragedy. Know this. God has offered his son Jesus as the light into darkness that has shone upon them. And he cleanses you from all your sins. Someone in this service last week made that decision to trust that Jesus Christ would cleanse them from their sins. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. It's not on our own doing. It is through Jesus Christ being the light of the world. But there's more. Verse 6 says that he is what? For unto us a child is born, for us to us a son is given, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mighty God, he has the wisdom to rule justly. Wonderful Counselor, he has the wisdom to rule justly. Mighty God, he has the power to execute his plans. Everlasting Father, the source of eternity. A father who has deep compassion on his children. He's the Prince of Peace. Romans 1, 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, wisdom, guidance, strength. Let's face it. Who doesn't want that in our lives? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why is it important to recognize that Jesus is light at Christmas? Because he dispels darkness. He displays the truth of our lostness. We can't hide in the the truth. 
but we are forgiven and he cleanses us from all of our sins. And the light opens our eyes. We sing about this light. It's all throughout Scripture, but we sing about it at Christmas. One of the most familiar Christmas hymns, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we sing, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, Hail the Son of Righteousness, Light and life to all He brings, Risen with healing in His wings. When you declare this song, when you carol this song, you are declaring some truths that Jesus is the light in the darkness that we must recognize and admit that we're sinners that Jesus Christ is our salvation and that he is our wonderful counselor we must admit we're dead in our darkness we cannot hide we must proclaim Jesus is light counselor savior king we must trust he cleanses us from our sins Are you walking in darkness? Are you walking in the light? Are you acknowledging the reality that Jesus is the light and what this means for you today? Have you ever stepped into the light? Have you ever acknowledged that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation because you're lost in your sins? Not just Jesus in a manger moment, but that Jesus is your Savior moment. But you recognize that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. Have you stepped into that light? Church, we're in the middle of a season of sharing. And you're going to see thousands and thousands of Christmas lights this Christmas. My desire is that you will not look at another Christmas light and not think, Jesus the light, the truth, our sin, our Savior has come. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Do you have that hope? Jesus, the light of the world. Let's pray this morning.